What's going on, coaches? You're tuned in to Keep Your Pads Down, and this is episode number 118. Thank you so much for tuning in today, wherever you happen to be listening. Shout out to the coaches in Concord, North Carolina, which had the most downloads outside of the state of Texas, where we are based, of course, and, and actually uh, maybe more than any city in, in Texas. I need to go back and look at that. But anyway, thank you guys for checking us out. And whether you're a first-time listener or someone who's been with us since the beginning, thank you for tuning in today. Well, as I mentioned, this is episode number 118, the second episode of season four of KYPD, and we're almost to our three-year anniversary, which is a pretty cool milestone. And that, of course, would not be possible without you guys uh, checking us out each week and without the outstanding guests we bring on each week. Speaking of that, we have another great one lined up for you today in Georgia Tech linebacker, graduate assistant, Alec Brown. But before we dive in our conversation with Coach Brown today, I want to tell you about our friends at Go Edit Graphics. If you are on social media at all, I'm sure you have seen coaches, you know, administrators, uh, athletic departments, school districts, post graphics promoting you know, the accomplishments of their athletic teams and their coaches, their kids. And whether it's the result of a game, a scholarship offer for one of their athletes, or maybe it's promoting the hiring of a new coach, you no doubt see those graphics anytime you get on social media. And creating graphics for your athletes and staff is a great way to promote the awesome things going on in your athletic department. And it goes a long way in promoting your school and you not only across your state, but across the nation as well. But maybe you have no idea about how to create those professional looking graphics that you see everywhere. Well, our friends at Go Edit Graphics have got you covered. And what Go Edit Graphics does is allow any coach to create custom graphics in minutes by changing the colors and the text and the images to make it their own. They offer categories like game day, scoring, uh, player profiles, communication, to name a few. The platform is easy, it's affordable, and no design skills are needed. GoEdit Graphics is a great way to showcase all your sports and athletes, and subscriptions are for 12 months and include unlimited graphics. And in fact, they've uh, actually added some really sharp-looking uh, new templates this year that you'll want to check out for sure. And just like last season, mention Keep Your Pads Down when you're checking out and receive $25 off your showcase yearly package. You can also check out our graphic that we did for today's episode that's on our Twitter page uh, today uh, with, with Coach Brown, uh, which was also created exclusively with GoEdit Graphics. Showcase your athletes with custom-made graphics in less than two minutes with GoEdit Graphics. Next up, well, clinic season is upon us, and many of you guys either have been or you will be loading up and heading out to coaching clinics this winter and spring. But if you want to catch some great football clinics from the comfort of your own home, then you should really check out our friends at Our Coaching Network. Our Coaching Network is a new football coaching platform connecting coaches from all levels and helping them get better every week. Our Coaching Network has live clinics going off usually a couple nights a week. And we'll have hours of high-quality live coaching clinics this year available to you with each week's clinics added to a library that can be referred back to at any time in the future. On tap this week at Our Coaching Network, you can hear a clinic on defending perimeter RPOs from Ryan Jurgel, who's the defensive coordinator at Oberlin College. That's on Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Central. And then on Wednesday night, you can hear from Northern Arizona defensive backs coach Jesse Thompson talking about game planning. And that talk begins at 7 p.m. Central as well. So sign up with Our Coaching Network today. Subscriptions are super affordable, and you can cancel at any time. Start connecting with and learning from coaches from all across the country today with our coaching network. All right, so now let's get to today's guest. As I mentioned earlier today, we're talking with Georgia Tech graduate assistant, Alec Brown. 
Coach Brown just wrapped up his first season as a graduate assistant coach at Georgia Tech, where he worked closely with the Yellow Jackets linebackers. Coach Brown came to Georgia Tech from Louisiana Monroe, where he spent the spring as a graduate assistant on head coach Terry Bowden's initial ULM staff. Prior to his brief stand at ULM, Coach Brown served one year as a defensive quality control coach at Eastern Kentucky. His collegiate coaching experience also includes one season as a graduate assistant and outside linebackers coach at Murray State. Prior to joining the collegiate coaching ranks, Coach Brown spent two seasons at the high school level, uh, one at Pinson Valley High School in 2018, uh, where he helped the Indians capture the Alabama 6A state championship. Coach Brown played two seasons as a defensive end and outside linebacker at Auburn, where he earned a bachelor's degree in history with a minor in kinesiology. Today on KYPD, Coach Brown and I discuss how the Yellow Jackets coach eye discipline with their linebackers, which entails breaking down their guys' eye responsibilities into pre-play, pre-snap, and post-snap categories, and what they should be looking for in each of those phases and how that helps them play faster and more confidence. We also touch on coaching run fits and pass drops, and I asked the former Auburn Tiger who has the most intimidating game day atmosphere that he's ever experienced. A great episode coming up for you today, so let's get to it. Here is Coach Alec Brown on episode number 118 of KYPD. All right, Coach. Well, uh, happy holidays to you, and uh, welcome to the podcast. Excited to talk some linebacker play today. Oh, yeah. Appreciate you having me on, Coach Taylor. Uh, let's get to it. Yeah, well, let, let's let's do that. So we always start with um, kind of giving our guests a chance to uh, give a little bit of their background and fill us in on their football journey up to this point. And you're a young coach who's already made a bunch of coaching stops. Um, so let's just, let's just start from the beginning. You know, talk to us about where you grew up, your playing days and what made you want to be a coach, things like that. Uh, well, I'm from Birmingham, Alabama. Originally grew up here, uh, went to, went to high school at Hewitt Trustful, which has gained, you know, some tradition lately. Wasn't quite that way when I was there, but, uh, we still play Birmingham ball and football is always important, right? It was always important growing up. And, and you know, when you're from Alabama, you're from the state, you kind of pick a side, you're either cheering for the orange and blue or you're cheering for the crimson tide. And it, there's really no in between. Um, and my, my dad's an Auburn alum and we just always grew up Auburn people. So when uh, you're a Birmingham high school uh, kid and you want to play college ball, you, you know, you look around and there's some different stops, but um, at the end of the day, I always wanted to go to school at Auburn and had an opportunity to, uh, to get on there. And I was joking, say I was, I was just good enough and just tall enough to, to get a helmet and a locker. And I, I took that opportunity and played there for a few years and along the way, I realized, like, dang, I really love the game because you're in, you're in school and, uh, you know, maybe I'll get into construction or maybe I'll get into finance. Or maybe I'll do this or that. But probably when I was about 19, I just said, you know what, I want to coach ball. That's what I want to do. I love this thing, man. And, and getting the opportunity to walk on at Auburn there and, and play for Coach uh, Gus Malzahn and Coach Will Muschamp and uh, some of those other defense coordinators that were rolling through Auburn and were really, really good at the time uh, gave me a – a good unique perspective on it came out of Auburn in the spring of 2018 with a almost triple major <laughs> uh, did, did not hurry my way out of college by any means really enjoyed it and uh, came out with a history degree a political science degree and a kinesiology degree 
and there's only one thing you do with that, which is go coach football. So both my parents were teachers, and I growing up, that was a part of my life and being at the school and seeing what it was. And about, again, like I said, halfway through college, I was like, I want to coach ball. We'll see where it takes me. And coming out, I was really fortunate that uh, Coach Gardner, my defensive line coach and, and kind of outside backer coach at Auburn, played with Patrick Nix and knew him well. And Coach Nix, who was a great guy, great ball coach, and really good man of God, um, was at Pinson Valley at the time. His son, Bo, was going into his senior year, and they just so happened to need a defensive line coach. I was qualified to teach pretty quickly, got my certifications, was teaching four blocks a day, of freshman world history one, and had one prep period that was football uh, at Pinson Valley High School. When I took the job, Coach Nick shook my hand, said, you know, we have high expectations here. and We won the whole thing last year and expect to compete this year. I just said, yes, sir, let's go to work. I was really, really fortunate to work on that staff. But besides just Coach Nix, there was a coach named Tony Hatmaker. And Coach Hatmaker is still with Coach Nix at Central Phoenix City, a freaking powerhouse high school in Alabama um, where a lot of big-time guys have come out of, and, and they're down there now. But I was lucky to be there with, uh, with Tony Hatmaker, and he taught me an incredible amount about the game my first year. Um, he was a longtime college coach, longtime college coordinator up at Eastern Kentucky. Has a very, very rich FCS football tradition. Um, good program. And, and Coach Wells is bringing that program back. But um, was fortunate to get in at Pinson at the time I did and learn underneath Coach Hatmaker. That year, we really kind of ran a 4-2-5-ish. It was real simple. It was the perfect high school defense because what was real simple was we ran one fit really well. And then from there – we added in the blitzes and we added in the stunts and we added in the coverage change-ups behind it while still maintaining one fit. And that's what made Coach Hatmaker such a good ball coach, in my opinion, is he could play 4-3 or man and keep the fit the exact same, keep it really simple. And at that point, it was uh, defensively, our nose guard was about six foot, 315 pounds. He was a big kid. He was a heavy-handed kid. Our three technique was about 5'10", 275. Again, broad, strong kid. Um, our overhang backer that I got to coach with and work with every day was freaking – he was a machine, man. He was six foot, 240, and still playing ball at Kennesaw State. I think he set the freshman sack record when he had three in one game. Um, kicking can flat out get it, uh, but six feet. Um, and we had some, some really good players on that defense that made the D-line work, right, because that kick can hold a gap. That kick can hold a big gap. Well – you got that. It makes it easy up front. Um, but that was, that was the, the basic foundation and structure of that defense. And again, when I talk about defenses, it's more about your structure than it is your scheme because your scheme and your concepts should fit every structure of defense that you play. You kind of mentioned that I've been very, very fortunate, very, very blessed to stop um, at a couple different places since leaving Auburn. And every single stop, I've learned more about a structure I've learned more about a particular style of defense that, you know, is, is being ran popular today. And at Pinson, that was the 425, and we were lights out. And Kool-Aid McKinstry was our corner, <laughs> the kid that just started eight games or whatever it was in Alabama. So we're pretty loaded, but incredibly well coached. Yeah, those guys helped. Yeah. yeah, we had some we had some players, but incredibly well coached and had a lot of depth. Um after and again we can We'll tie all this to, to eyes. Remember, eyes are just product of whatever concept you are running. However, you're trying to get your gaps fit is how your eye discipline must be at the linebacker level. 
right? And then your, your mindset fits your scheme, fits your concept and your structures. So, Pinson winner 425. We played a lot of good football, had one loss to Hoover, first game of the year. You know, it's your bigger classification. Every high school ball coach knows about that. You, you go up against 7A team and you're not 7A. Good luck. But um, we, we stopped coaching ball December 7th after uh, one state championship and played some really good teams and, and pitched some really good uh, defensive ball games. Uh, after that, and, and you have your – again, this is a D-line podcast. Uh, I see you're, you're kind of wrapping it up. We can really talk D-line play all day, man. First thing I ever did, first big project I ever did was putting together a cut-up of how we taught D-line play at Pinson Valley High School, right? Um, and I have it – I still have it somewhere. I need to check and make sure all the tape store runs on it, but it's 75 slides, and it's called the progression. And uh, It was something I kind of th- thought out along the way because, I, I mean – Again, I was really lucky with really talented players um, that worked really, really hard, and they took a little bit of direction and, and, and made a lot of plays. And, again, I was working for coordinators that would dial it up and get you some easy ones. It's easy when you stunt the B-gap and they'll block you because your coordinator's on it. Um, but I put together a, a pass rush progression from there, and uh, I've seen some kids use it and, and, and be successful. Um, I showed that to Coach Hatmaker, who, again, longtime FCS ball coach, really, really good coach, man. And uh, he looked at it and kind of asked me what I wanted to do. I said, Coach, I think I want to try to make the jump. I said, okay, well, I'll make some calls for you. A little bit later, I was fortunate to get a call from Jake Johnson, who was the defensive coordinator at Murray State at the time, is now the defensive coordinator at Eastern Kentucky. Uh, and is, a, again, a really, really sharp ball coach. He's coached D-line for a long time and, and is incredibly, incredibly in tune with how things are going to be blocked and how you need to adjust and how you need to fit the freaking run. Um, so again, just good guys to work under, but he made, he made that call and got me, Hatmaker made that call and got me the interview for the, it was literally the outside linebacker GA job at Murray state work with the front seven, you know, linebackers, beyond whoever, but you're going to coach the Russian, you're going to coach the boundary cover. I was, was really fortunate to get to do that. And we, uh, that first year at Murray, we're a four-two-five operation, but it was college, so we would get a lot of exotic fronts and third down. We would play some some funky looks in, in the back end and uh, do some different packages based off of what we had. But again, we kept that four-two-five uh, fit where it was clean, and if you could hit a gap and you could play physical and you could play half-man leverage, you could win. So from there, um, that Murray State staff was was good, full of a lot of good coaches and. A lot of those guys are a bunch of different stops now. And I was lucky that uh, Coach Johnson, Jake, is at, is at EKU now, and, and he is an EKU alum, played ball there, is uh, a big-time big time coach in that program, a big-time coach in, in that conference, in that league. And when he went to Eastern, I was uh, lucky that he brought me on as his defensive QC. Uh, I joke with him. I said, that's just because you know, like, I know how you won't tape tag. You know, that's what I, what I told him, why he brought me. But I uh, was, was lucky to go there. Uh, that first year at Eastern Kentucky, Coach Wells thought we had the personnel for 3-4, and I agree. And that was the first time that we really changed the fit. I knew what the basic of other rock back fits and kickbacks and gap fits and what other people were doing. But that 3-4 defense at Eastern Kentucky was the first time that we ever really ran it. And I really got used to saying from the box, uh, such and such needs to get, you know, back in the sea. Or, you know, your mic backers missing the rock, whatever it would be, right? They're not falling in the right spot. Then from there – go to college and had the opportunity to move again after that 2020 weird COVID season at Eastern. Went to Louisiana Monroe 
was fortunate to to know a couple of ball coaches down there, and again went as a kind of an overhang player uh, coach, and was fortunate to work with the back end at Monroe and with, with Nichols, and worked with some really really sharp young coaches, and we did a lot of football study, and again. Uh, Zach Alley at, at Louisiana Monroe is a brilliant guy, a really sharp ball coach, and is going to do big things for a long time. But after that, I was there for a spring, and I was fortunate to get to go to Georgia Tech uh, in the middle of May because their their GA had an opportunity to go to the NFL and, and be a QC up there. So uh, Coach Andrew Thacker called me, uh, you know, second, third week of May through a, a connection I'd made a couple years earlier working camps in the summer, and I was I went in and had an interview. And, was talking some defense and again some structures and some things that he was interested in and liked. Uh, Coach Thacker, brilliant too. Um, I've been really fortunate to work with uh, some some young, really good defensive coordinators that know what they're talking about and know it in and out. And that's where uh, Thacker and Allie and Jake and all those guys have, have been huge in my development as a coach. And and those stops along the way are all blessings. And I tell people all the time is just if your phone rings and if you pick it up, you know this the phone ring. Uh, telephone business. So been incredibly fortunate to get to learn from a lot of guys. Was really fortunate that uh, Coach Josh Lynham joined us at Georgia Tech. He's a new factor and really, really good friend and really, really good ball coach. Uh, knows linebacker play inside and out. A lot of these things are going to mirror him talking with the inside linebacker footwork and stance and, and stuff that he'd say uh, because he, he's incredibly good at uh, backer play. I've been fortunate to work with him this year at Tech with the inside backers. Uh, we played a couple different structures. We were real multiple. I think that benefited us uh, at times. And uh, with that being said, kind of every stop along the way, I've been fortunate to, uh, to get to be on game day, at least responsible for being in the box. And uh, I, I take pride in that and think that that is a point where if you're trusted to do it, go do a good job. So again, we're talking about eye discipline. There's times where you're Coach's eyes are in the backfield. Coach's eyes are blah, blah, blah. Coach, he's not, he's not seeing two on his reroute. You know, you're grabbing that freaking headset mic, trying to help out however you can. Um, so when you are coaching eyes, you have to know what you're looking for. And that's, again, where I was fortunate to be a part of some really good coaching staffs and, and sit in some really good clinics with longtime ball coaches like Pete Jenkins that are so willing to talk and so willing to uh, share their knowledge of the game and, you know, some good stories along the way, too. No, Coach, that's great. Um, and, and again, it, fortunately for you, it sounds like you've been around um, a lot of great coaches, you know, that you mentioned. Uh, Malzahn, Muschamp, Coach Hatmaker, and, and Coach Nix there uh, at Pinson Valley. And now where you are now, Coach Collins and Coach, Coach Thacker. Let's go a little bit more uh, deeper into your defense there at Georgia Tech. Talk about what you guys are running there, you know, your base structure. I know you guys show a lot of different looks. But just talk about, you know, give us a quick rundown of your defense before we get into specific uh, eye discipline and responsibilities with your inside linebackers. Yep. Yep. Uh, we are a four, two, five base structure, right. At tech and you know, where that three technique is, you know, you'll find out, right. We'll, we'll play them at the field. We'll play them at the boundary. We'll go over, we'll go under, we'll run all sorts of different fronts. Um, and same with the coverage, right. We'll play quarters. We'll play three. We'll mix it up and play some man. We have some two in there. It's, it's a lot of different, uh, things that you can do out of that base four two five structure. Something I think we did well was we we packaged defense well, right? We built structures well for whatever um, fit what we could do well and do at a high level 
as well as make the other side of the ball work a lot too, right? We always talked about return on investment. Well, if I teach this, what's my return on investment going to be, right? Whether that's putting in a hot blitz or a man blitz or a trap blitz or whatever you're looking at, well, how does this fit the rest of my structure? And again, that's where Coach Collins and Coach Thacker are great ball coaches and can tie together overarching concepts of defense to individual structures, right? Whether it is a four-two-five or three-two-six, or um, you know, even times where we were uh, in in the three-three-five stack and in the three-three-five push, all these different kind of tweaks that we would make based off of what front we were putting out, right? And that four-two-five structure could easily hop into a more three-four look with you know, four eyes and a zero when we wanted it to. And uh, you can have a six tech or you can put a nine. We saw a good bit of 12P later on in the year and had some different uh, fronts that we can manipulate depending on if we were getting a wing or if we were getting just two three-man surfaces or where that other guy was going to be, right? We're going to get a pro set with a fullback at the tight end. Is he going to be away? What are we thinking? We can manipulate in and out of a three-man front with four eyes and zeros and um, a six or a pair of nines even depending on what you – which come out and if we want to give the old school bear a uh, little wide bear is what, what a lot of people have called it because you can't call it mint, you can't call it tight because it's a little different setup. But um, no matter what they would attack you with, especially 12P, man, everybody sees 11P, right? Everybody sees that, that style of defense, and that's where you can get real creative. Um, but when you got to all, all – I mean, Notre Dame is going to come out there in 13P with three guys on – you know, a six-man surface, what are you going to do, right? Uh, George is going to line up in 12, and it's going to be an 11P picture, and they're going to motion them in, and all different stuff like that. That's where that four-two-five structure came into play and really, really benefited us and really, really helped us because it would, it would hop in and out of a three-man front, a four-man front, um, and we were able to, to put some good stuff on tape. We're, we're talking about the importance of eye discipline, specifically with your inside linebackers. You know, whether we're talking D-line, we're talking DBs, you know, any position on the field, frankly, uh, especially on defense, eye discipline is, is of, of the utmost importance. But talk about why it's so important specifically for linebackers who do have a unique position on the defense, especially in the four-two-five when they are heavily involved in stopping the run, stopping the pass. Um, talk about that and, and how you guys go about coaching that. I know you have a progression there with, Pre, pre-play, pre-snap, and then post-snap. I hope I got that in the right order. If I did, yeah, yeah. correct me. But just talk about how you guys go about coaching that. Well, when you are coaching backers' eyes, the biggest thing is, is where are you asking the kid to fit, right? Um, understand your concept. And this this goes for uh, Georgia Tech, and this went for Eastern Kentucky, and this went all the way to Pinson Valley, right? It doesn't matter what level of football you're at. You're, whatever you're coaching has to fit what the kids need to do with the defense and one of the coolest stories I, I actually ever heard was when coach Walt, Walt Wells who's the head coach at Eastern Kentucky now was at Eastern Kentucky his first time I can't remember if it was the late 90s early 2000s but coach Will Muschamp was also there and the def, the the coordinator was an, was an older guy towards the end of his career named Jim Tanera and Jim Tanera would just call a front and tell coach Muschamp to match a coverage that is freaking impressive because that's that's so tough to do man it's so much easier to say, okay, well, I'm rolling three here. It's, there's my extra hat, front matches. It's so much harder to say, he's playing this front. I need to roll the, the, the cover. You know, I need to pull it here. I need to have the extra fitter, you know, be my strong safety versus my nickel if I'm right. And he, and that was crazy that Coach Wells, um, you know, said Coach Muschamp could do that. But I, I definitely believe it. So I say all that to say, it doesn't matter if you're 
playing your eye discipline first is going to come from your structure and then it's going to come from your coverage concept, right? So if you're playing a true three, four with heavy four eyes and you're coaching heavy rock back, then it needs to be um, a more back centric eye discipline, right? If you're playing traditional four, two, five, and you're really not going to get much. And that's where, again, coach Thacker and coach Collins did such a good job of coaching those guys with, you know, uh, auto calls and different kind of, um, terms that would, you know, if this, then that, right. And Hey, if this, then that, we're going to get to this, put your eyes here. Um, and, and, and that kind of goes for any type of defense. And that's where you have to be able to coach and have the linebacker understand the different fronts. Okay. So if we're playing a base four, two, five front, and we're not going to mix it up and we're going to sit in this front and we have a three technique that we like, and we have a shade that we like, and they're going to, you know, anchor down and hold our gaps for us. Everybody's just going to tell your mic backer at the field, right? At your, at your bubble to fill the B gap. You're going to tell your will backer to fill the A gap. Uh, because what you can do is if you roll three weak, well, you tell your overhang rush backer, your jack backer, right? The boundary linebacker, you're the C gap fitter. And then the next piece down is the D gap fitter. And then if you have to have an extra hat, it would be the corner or it'd be the play side safety coming back across, right? The, the field safety. Um, on certain runs and on certain pool plays and on certain gap scheme things, depending on what you want to coach. Um, and then the, the, the same goes for your field side and your four two five structure, base four two five, where you have a sand backer and overhanging nickel, however you want to coach it. You guys will do different things where the strong safety will be your D gap fitter to the field, right? Your end, your five techniques, it's in the C at the field. Uh, and then your strong safety can come fit it or your Sam overhang backer can come fit it, depending on your coverage, right? A bunch of guys that play, uh, ripple is match and different stuff like that, where they're really relying on a nickel to hold up in coverage on vertical and slot by two, right? If you don't have that slot fade and you've got to hold up. Okay. Well, that strong safety is probably going to be your D gap fitter, your extra hat. Um, but if you're playing more collision and more kind of uh, play two, two to three, right? Wall two, carry three, uh, find your new three. Where's the final three type coverage. Uh, it'll probably be your, your sandbacker overhang at the field, filling that D gap consistently. So uh, when you talk eyes, the one thing that is not going to change in, in the coaching progression, depending on your 425 or your 326 or your 34 or whatever it is, your 335 stack, whatever. The one thing that will not change is the concept of uh, pre-play, pre-snap, post-snap. Pre-play as a linebacker, my eyes have to start on the sideline automatically to get the call, automatically to get the signal. Uh, you're not in the NFL yet. You have to, you know, you don't have the radio set in your helmet to make the calls. So you better get your eyes over there and uh, see what's getting put out there for you. So from there, once you get the call, your eyes are already out there. You should start counting receivers if the offense is showing you the formation. What you saw this year, and, and I thought uh, the offensive staff at Tech this year and, and a couple of those coaches that are really, really sharp, really, really good ball coaches, when they could tell that a, a defensive coordinator was really formation-based, when he was like, all right, I get three by one 11P, right, with the with a sniffer or a yo or whatever you want to call it, a fish tucked behind the tackle, I'm going to call this. If I get 11P and it's, you know, two by two with the sniffer, yo, tucked by ta- you know, behind the tackle on the boundary, it's this and three by one pictures and whatever else you would get out of, because everybody gets in the a tray or a trip set, whatever you want to call three open to the field, right? And um, coordinators got really good at matching that pace. 
So what you see now is guys will get a huddle and huddle, I think is brilliant because now I'm telling the kid, he has to see everything at once. You have to see where these receivers snapped out to and where the tight end, right? If you line up in the formation, he just counts the, you know, count the receivers one, two, you know, one, two, three, whatever it is. And that will tell you where to line up off of and, and, and where you kind of have to relate in coverage. So your pre-play um, eyes work outside in, first for your call, then for your receivers, and finally get to the core. And if you're playing inside backer, let's face it, the core is what you really need. Uh, it's great if you can know where two is, and it's great if you can see stuff and, and anticipate, you know, an in-breaking route. But at the end of the day, you need to know what is in the core. The core is the five offensive linemen and the quarterback. They're going to be there every time, right? And if they're not there, well, we better be going freaking bonkers. You know, Washington State does it or all the, you know, offensive guys. I won't repeat what Coach Saban said about them, but we all know they're they're definitely out to get us. Uh, so if you ever see something where the offensive linemen aren't in the core, yeah, we'll go crazy and we'll, we'll check numbers and uh, we'll go play football that way. But you should expect the quarterback in your 5 line. From there, where's the back? From there, do you have a tight end or a sniffer, right? Uh, let's be smart football players, but on top of that, let's be smart football coaches, right? Hey, have the kid clued in. They're a heavy three-man surface attached to that freaking tight end team. It's probably going to be more stretch. It's probably going to be more pin and pull. You're not going to get as much rock back. Like, be aware where the you know where the freaking guys lining up. Um, and that goes into being a a goes into being a coach. Goes into taking your preparation seriously and knowing if they have any any tails in it. If they're lining that guy up deeper. If they do search plays. If they're just sending them straight off the edge and running good old split zone. Uh, whatever it may be, know what you're know what you're going to get. So with that outside-in concept, once you get to the core, you're getting yourself ready for pre-snap, okay? Your pre-snap stuff is, okay, I'm at the core, the tight end, and the sniffer are on opposite sides. It's, you know, whatever you call that, right? You know, it's weak, it's far, it's what, whatever your term may be, right? Um, all right, you know, it's a, it's a weak backfield set. I'm anticipating you know, split zone this week and stretch at the field, whatever they may do, right? Um, opposed to they're on the same side, well, I'm probably going to get a counter or I'm probably going to get, you know, just a good old zone cutoff or a base zone play heading opposite the tight end. So if you were in a 4-2-5 defense, uh, and, and guys will coach it differently, everybody's going to argue, are you looking at the guard? Are you looking at the back? Are we looking at the guard? You know, listen for blah, 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 blah. The best coaching term I've heard is you have your spotlight and you have your flashlight. Your spotlight is going to be the eyes that is on your direct key that influences your fastest fit. Whatever is going to demand you to fit the fastest, that is your spotlight. Your flashlight is on whatever you need to see because it may come out and get you, right? If you're not, if you're key in the back and you never see that guard, well, you may get ear hold, right? You, you have to have that flashlight ready to work. And it's the same concept of, well, if you're key in a guard and you see it and you smoke that gap, but you have no clue where the back is, you're never going to make a tackle. So you better have an ability to have my eyes on my on my main thing, see it, and then peek that flashlight. However you want to coach it, but you have to get a guy to where he can see, okay, I'm about to get ear hold, or shoot, I came through clean. Now let's make that freaking tackle and put him in, you know, third and eight and put him in second and twelve, right? Um, and, and we had some plays, especially against North Carolina this year, where we had guys that were really, really reading that spotlight quick and hammering it and making play, making a big play for that defense. Uh, holding a, a good quarterback and a good offense and a good offensive coordinator um, in, a, in a pretty cool environment, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. But, but yeah. 
Yeah, I've heard it said. Uh, I've had um, uh, a coach who uh, was actually a GA at Texas, and now he's coaching in the Austin area. And the way he said it is pretty similar to what you said is you have camera one, you have camera two. You know, yeah. you can't go yeah. to camera two until you've checked camera one. And that's just the same, you know, same type of concept, just a little bit different uh, terminology there. About that's it, man. You got your primary key and your secondary key. Hey, primary key and secondary key is ball coaching. For a kid, it's your spotlight, bro. Stare at that thing. Spotlight, flashlight. You know, it's primary key, secondary key. That's that's when you're when you're real smart. But I, if I ever coach in the Ivy League, I'll I'll, I'll be sure to use all those. But nah, man, it's it's all. Uh, that's again, that's good. That's in my opinion, that's that's good coaching. Um, so if you're playing a four-two-five and, and those fits are really defined, like what I was talking about earlier, where your two eye, your shade is your a gap fitter. Um, if you're a bench front, right. And you have bench, right. Where, well, your left a gap is your shade. Your left B gap is your mic. Your left C gap is your end. And then your left D gap or your field B gap is that boundary or that, sorry, that nickel sand, that field overhang backer. Um, and, and that's why you see guys that go three, four, get really, really multiple. They will hire outside backer coaches because that guy's eyes are a lot different than just like this, like a pure defensive end, go get after it type dude. And that's what, what you see in the NFL. I, I love watching the Bucks defense, man, especially that, that 2020 year because they had so many defensive ends and so many linebackers that could do so much that if you, if you go watch those guys' eyes and go watch what they're really seeing and what they're really working off of, it tells you, like, how they're being used schematically. And uh, You have a question on here later about college or NFL. I watch college for pleasure. I watch NFL for, like, hardcore techniques and stuff like that. I say that. I watch college for work, too. I'm watching somebody right now that's – you know, put me through it because they run a lot of exotic stuff. But, uh, you know, I can, I can cut on college football and, and casually watch it. If I'm watching the NFL, it's like, who is – what is this guy doing? Because those are the best in the world. And the Jimmys and the Joes will always matter. Um, so. Okay, so we got um, – we're, t- we're at pre-snap now at this point. So we got our – we have our, 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 our uh, spotlight and our flashlight identified. Anything else pre-snap or are we moving on to uh, yeah, post-snap, no. post-snap now? Uh, if you are a pre-snap defense and you need a kid to hit a gap fast, we'll, we'll break it down in, in the, to, to two fits. There's more than two. You can get into it, but we'll say two fits. There is single gap fits, right, where I have the A gap, I have the B gap, right? You fit it out in your coverage where no matter what the edges are taken care of, you're in a four-down structure, you, you can tell the kid what gap to fit. If, if that's the case, we always tell them that their, their pre-snap eyes are going to end up on the guard. Because if the guard pulls, I need to call it. We both need to work over. If the guard base blocks at me, I need to go hit the B gap. If the guard down blocks, I need to kind of keep my time and understand what's coming. The reason in pre-snap before you, uh, sorry, yeah, pre-snap before you snap down to the guard, you see the back is okay. Well, that backs away from me. Everybody runs zone at me. I'm gonna go hit that B gap fast, and maybe if I, you know, use good technique and use good hands, and we don't have time to get into half man leverage and punch and you know, via the neck and a cuff of the shoulder and disengage and escape and all that different stuff that goes into beating a block. But if I see the guard coming at me, I have a chance to go fill my gap. To put it plainly, again, <laughs> my very first year coaching, I, I was a volunteer at a 1A high school outside of Auburn. My last year of school, I was done playing. Um, and it was an experience. So needless to say, at some point as a coach, you just have to rest on knowing Gave, gave them the best I had, and they were in the gap. I can't tackle anybody. I'm done. So, anyway, uh, if you have them 
cueing that spotlight and seeing that guard coming at him and gives them a chance to get to their get to their uh, their work. If you are in a 3-4 defense and the B-gaps are taken care of by your four eyes, by some big heavy-handed jokers that are coached up well and put paws on people and keep you clean, you're going to want to spotlight the near back. Uh, your near back can be the tight end off the ball because he's going to take you to the football every time. And if you don't see him, you're going to get beat on. Uh, we call it a bluff play or everybody's seen it. You know, the tight end slips out into the field. Uh, he, he fakes the block on the divide zone. The quarterback keeps it and dumps it to him. And they ran off your corner and gave up 20 to a play that you should have seen. Um, but that's why I say if you're in that 3-4 structure, your key is now going to be that back, right? So when I get to uh, pre-snap in a 3-4, I'm going to key the back. Is he at me or is he away from me? And then from there, it's just knowing he's away from me. He's probably going to come at me. That's why I think it. When offenses go pistol, it actually makes the game tougher. Like pistol and dot, that's tough. I can't just be like, hey, it's this, hey, it's that. Then I have to really get into attached tight ends and, uh, you know, tells by the offensive lineman and which ones, you know, snitch of the week is what we would call it at Tech. I thought that was great. Uh, you know, here's your snitch of the week. If you, if you don't know, look at this guy. He'll probably tell you what it is. Um, but just in basic football, right, backs away from me, runs probably going to come to me. Uh, and knowing that and knowing how the 3-4 works, well, from there, uh, I know i got to go fit that A-gap because my zero technique will be in the backside A-gap, right? The zone is going to the defense's left. Your nose is going to end up in the right A-gap, playing a lag technique, whatever you want to call it. Everybody's heard it. Um, same concept. But uh, with that being said, it gets tricky when you start getting rock backs. And that's where if when the backs are on opposite sides and you know you're going to get split zone, uh, that back, that backer to that yo, I'll call him a yo. You may call again a sniffer, an age, a fish. Every, you know, everybody gets it. It's defensive, defensive podcast, right? Uh, but when uh, your backer is spotlighting that yo, he's looking for one thing: does he turn his shoulders and rock back? And do I now need to push my will backer or my mic backer to the C gap, and I'll fit the play side A gap, or is he staying connected and in line? And is it just regular old zone play? where I'm going to hold my feet and play back into the C because that's where we're weak at. And, you know, the mic or the wheel can just – zone's coming at me, go hit the A, right? The rock back also comes into play um, whenever you're getting uh, – well, it depends. When you get counter, you'll see it, and they both have to go. That's where, again, spotlight, flashlight, right? When you're playing that 3-4, your spotlight is your back, but your flashlight better be that guard. Because if you see him pull, well, that lets you know it's not an A-gap you got to go hit. you got to go spill the second, right? You have to go be inside of the yo because the mic or the will, right, your, your partner is going to go spill the guard, um, depending on how it all fits out. Or box it. And either way, you two jokers are both spill players. It doesn't matter who's boxing what. Somebody's going to have to fit inside of it. And that's the inside backer's job. Um, in a three-two-six structure, it is also – really, really heavily predicated on the guards, depending on um, what you want to do. But it's that same, again, it's all going to get down to spotlight, um, flashlight, just telling the kid, hey, eyes on the guard, eyes to the back, or eyes to the near back, eyes to the guard, depending on how you want to fit what. And again, four two five defenses, I've seen guys that will be in a field front with your three technique at the field, and they'll rock back off a sniffer and have the, the, the weak safety rolling down into the B gap, and then 
the wheel backer ends up fitting the place out a gap and the freaking mic backer scrapes all the way out to the whatever your coverage is, know what you're getting at, know what your kids can handle and go coach ball from there. Uh, but again, that, that pre-snap concept of spotlight flashlight will always get you where you need to be. Now you get to the last part of coaching eyes, being disciplined in it. Uh, it is post-snap. Once the ball is snapped, uh, the entire sum of defensive football can be – and this is a Pete Jenkins thing, learn from guys that have done it at a high level for a long time, learn from guys that are so good at what they do. They'll have tapes from LSU where the guy still has the metal bar. I don't even know what you call them. Um, middle plate face mask. And it's 1975 out there and the shoulder pads are massive. But uh, the way Coach Jenkins taught it, I think, again, is brilliant, is job one, job two, job three. It doesn't matter if you're playing three technique or if you're playing corner. It, it is structured for what you need. Job one is eyes on your man, defeat your man, right? Like have your eyes on your man. So that gets to your, to what? To your spotlight. Right when that ball snaps, my eyes are on my man. Once I see my man, I see what's happening. And again, if you need to flashlight it to go take on the guard, if you need to take your eyes somewhere else as a backer, it happens in between job one and job two. Job one is see my key, read my key, execute. Job two is get to my key, right? If, again, if it's a guard coming at me and I have to defeat him and then find out where the back is or whatever it may be, especially when you get to rock back defenses and having to see over um, or having to, you know, see into the backfield and then out of it and back to a guard, you have to have job two, which is uh, neutralize my key, find the ball, right? So for job two, my eyes, job one, my eyes are on my key. Job two, my eyes are still on my key whether it's the secondary key or whether it's the primary key uh, as a backer. Really, the only time it's ever a secondary is when you're key in a back and you have to see the offensive guard coming up to freaking destroy you, um, or you have to see the offensive guard to go spill it correctly. However it is, you have to take on that big old joker when you weren't looking at him, when you started with eyes in the back. Uh, but after job two, neutralize my key, find the ball, right? So if I'm a linebacker, that means I took it on near foot and your shoulder, I hit him in the V of the neck and the cuff. I locked him out. I stood him up. Uh, as we say, break the door down. You want to turn the offensive lineman's shoulders. And if you get him to turn his shoulders, you are in an advantageous position. Um, from there, you get to job three, which is find the ball, destroy the ball. That's what defense is about. Um, depending, again, I like it because an inside backer play, okay, well, you know, I – whatever it may be. I spilled my puller. I took him on. I kept my outside shoulder free. I found the ball. I can go make the tackle. I saw my guard work up at me. You know, I took good uh, read steps. I went, you know, smashed the guard down, locked it out. I'm in my gap, back tried my gap. It's, you know, I take a personal, we knock him back, and we make it third and eight, whatever it may be. Uh, job three is always about destroying the ball. And, I, and when you get to things like coverage, well, Job three may be, okay, I, I saw my guard, I saw my back, I saw whatever it was. Again, if I'm keying that tight end, I saw my tight end release. And you may do such a good job of, of, of job one seeing him, you know, the, the tight end runs the pop pass up the seam. My mic backer is in a stress position and a quarter's look, and he has to carry him vertical, right, because it's four strong or whatever it may be. And that mic carries him, he's just going to take his ass to him, take his, uh, his far hand to the near hip of the tight end, run him out, and then he's going to look at that, he's going to read that guy's, uh, body position, right? Is the guy reaching up? Are his eyes getting big? What is that guy doing? Because that is your job one and job two. If you're in coverage, your job two is to never get to job three. The ball should never come your way. 
if you have it locked down. Uh, that should be your thought. And then when the ball does come your way, if that's your thought, go get it, right? Job three is still neutralized to take the ball, right? Destroy the ball carrier. With that being said, it's also how you hold guys accountable. Hey, man, you never got your eyes to job three. Or if you did, you didn't care enough to go run the ball. Hey, man, you know, you didn't – your eyes from job one were bad. Uh, and as I, I heard a guy say one time, you were beat by birth. You, job, you know, you had bad job one eyes. How are you ever going to get to job three? How are you ever going to get to destroy the ball, carry, neutralize the ball, right? Get it down. So uh, with that being said, our discipline comes down to how – what read and what fit do you need to happen in your concept or your structure, however you want to look at it. And then from there, uh, how can I communicate job one, job two, job three. Job one, see my key, read my key. Job two, neutralize my key, find the ball. Job three, find the ball carry, destroy the ball. Just get it down, however you do that. Uh, that is your, like, that's, and that, that that'll carry for anything. Because if I'm coaching linebackers and job one, um, in the past game is to drop to the weak hook. Well, I need to see the freaking guard and then I need to get my eyes out and know what's outside of me. Again, that gets all the way back to replay uh, football. If I'm a good linebacker and it's third and eight and I know they're throwing it, well, my pre-play, I'm going to make sure I know, okay, well, I have two receivers out there. I have one receiver out there. I have three by one. I have whatever it is so I can get to my coverage responsibility. As a job, um, as a job requirement for playing inside backer, there is run responsibility, uh, pass responsibility. And that's also how you get guys to play so fast when, when they blitz. Is when you blitz a guy, you say, hey, man, there is no – there's no run responsibility. There's no pass – go, right? Of course, it gets more complex. And, of course, you know, hey, man, the guard comes at you across his face this time, right? But at the end of the day, you can still kind of keep it a go, 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 fast, play hard, play downhill, knock, you know – hit people in the freaking teeth mentality when you change it up and go blitz. Pass coverage eyes are the exact same thing. Job one, job two, job three. I know I'm, I may be repeating myself here. You told me it's a podcast. Cut me out wherever. Uh, but um, in pass, it's going to be, what do I have outside of me? Did I take my pre-snap uh, defense? Sorry, my pre-play defense seriously. And if so, can I go pick off a curl route? Can I go predict the high-low? Okay, well, my guy went directly underneath me. There's going to be one behind me. Let me go get that one, right? Oh, okay, well, I got all the verts. Well, where's the back so I don't give up freaking eight yards on a check down? Whatever it may be, can you job one, job two, job three? Um, when you get to it, it all depends on if you're coaching a spot drop or a man drop, as better ball coaches than me have said, for eyes, for linebacker play. If you were coaching a spot drop, it's a whole lot of – getting guys comfortable on the field and with the dimensions of the football field. And that's stuff you have to do in spring. And if you're a high school coach, summer, and if you're a college coach, you got to hope that the guys are willing to go out there and feel a dimension of a field and say, this is the far hash. This is this hash. The ball is on this upright, you know, the, the offense pushed the receivers to this split. I need to take a different drop, whatever it may be. Right. If you're going to spot drop people, they have to be good at getting their eyes around seeing what's coming, and then get their eyes back and see if the freaking quarterback is looking at him or not. Because if he's not looking at you, pull your drop wherever he's looking because at the end of the day, the ball is – it may be a crossing route, and there's some tape out there of that where guys spot dropping that weak hook or um, spot dropping in the curl, whatever they want to call it. Uh, the quarterback's looking away. They shuffle twice downhill. 
and smoke the mesh, smoke the underneath crosser, because that's the guy that gets dropped for the backside wheel backer in a four to first crosser defense in a three by one, right? Okay, well, there's four guys over there. Something's coming back, and I'm going to freaking deplete the guy because I saw the quarterback there and with his shoulders turned at the field the whole time. Uh, that takes practice. That takes coaching up. In, um, some guys want to coach pedal. Some guys want to coach shuffle. Again, I kind of default to the NFL. Those are the best players in the world, toughest jobs in the world. And those guys all 45 degrees shuffle for the most part, open their hips to their drop and push off that inside foot. Because good athletes, it's not hard to shuffle back six to eight yards and get into the depth of the window I really need to be at, right? Uh, and then from there, uh, something that I thought was a really good coaching point that somebody said is I like that shuffle because when a guy turns his hips and shuffles, he can put his whole cleat downhill and go. Because you're a backer. Go shoot your shot. You have over-the-top help. Go drive footballs. Little tougher for a guy sitting at 235, 240 maybe to freaking pedal and you know come out of it hard on a one-two like a DB does. It, it's a lot easier for me to plant one hard time in the ground, stop, step, and go. Um, so I thought that that was good coaching for. It, it's good for uh, spot drop and man drop. That that footwork is, in my opinion, uh, for man drop, it's couldn't be simpler. Have your eyes on your man. Control your man. I mean, neutralize your key, right? If if your responsibility as an inside backer is a wall to carry three player, well, I need to know where, where two is, right? Uh, basic defensive football, count outside in. Offensive guys, it's a Z, it's an X, it's an A, it's an S, it's an H, it's a cool man. I just want you to count to three. One, two, three. Okay, cool. You know what the eligible numbers are? Y- yes, sir. Okay, we're good. Like, as long as you know the basics of football, um, I, I say basics of football. As long as they've been taught it, doesn't matter about who. As long as someone has taught them, count outside in, know who's eligible, know who's not, uh, you'll be all right. And, and when you get in all these unbalanced sets and stuff, that's great. At, you know, guys obviously that are well coached immediately recognize unbalanced. It still takes them to their key. It still takes them to. The, is he on? Is he off? Well, if he, if they get in a set where, you know, somehow the fourth guy is off, but you have the you know four up. We'll go carry it. Um, so that's I, I felt that that was always the best way to coach man uh, coverage or, you know, you know, man match, route match, however you want to coach it. Uh, have your eyes on your key and see it. For instance, if I'm the – really, this, this comes into play a lot with the overhangs in a four-two-five because as a mic backer and as a wheel backer, you're really only relating to three and four, and that's the backfield set. So it's more so like don't be a dummy. If three goes out, two's probably coming back in, right? If you know three goes up the pipe, you better carry him, depending on the call, right? Uh, man to man, hey shoot, we're sharing this back. Let's have good eyes on the back. And you know, if he flares out my way, I know to go out up into the pressure, or I know where I can fit to spy the quarterback. Whatever the whatever the concept calls for. Um, job one, job two, job three still gets it done. Again, it's just job one. See my key. We all read pass. Job two. Do I snap it to, to the second receiver? Do I snap it to the third receiver? Or am I snapping it around to get to the, you know, there's the hash, I'm good, right? Pass to quarterback. Doesn't matter what it is. Job two, if you do it well in coverage, we'll take you to job three. And that's where you coach back in guys and say, hey, man, if you're playing corner and it's man, you don't get to job three. Job three, the ball's thrown across the field or it's a sack. Job three, you're so locked in and neutralizing your key in job two, it's really over with. In DB, it's not simple. 
man-to-man defense is simple. It's very, very hard to do, but it's simple coaching him. And job one, locking that guy. You're not going to – it's not – you're not getting another read. In different coverages, absolutely. Well, what to do? Did they come out? What, you know, how are we playing a read quarters look? Are we playing a mini? Are we playing in America? What are we playing, right? Uh, but man-to-man, job one, so you got a job to neutralize it. And I think that helps coach their mentality depending on the concept. Especially back in guys, especially – D linemen, uh, backers, it's a little bit different. You have to, backer has to understand the whole structure of the defense to really go play like crazy fast, in my opinion. But with the those guys that are front end and back, like front line and back end, get some going, get some get some cut loose. Well, here's here's where I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, make a a a real life um, application here with with everything you're talking about. Okay, so. We got my son a basketball goal for Christmas, right? And it comes in a huge box. You can hardly get it through the front door. And you open <laughs> that thing and you dump all the stuff out. And it's overwhelming when you look at a thousand parts and, you know, little tiny bags of bolts. And then you open up the, uh, the instruction manual that's about as thick as the New Testament Bible. And um, it's really, really daunting, right? But you start with step one. You don't move to step one until you get to step two. So continue that through. And then before you know it, um, you with minimal uh, cursing and and throwing of things, you got a basketball goal put together, and that's really you know when you think about whether it's co- coaching D line or, or linebacker play, you know when you watch a play, there's so much that goes into it. But if guys can learn to break things down into those steps yep. and follow that progression and trust that enough, they'll be a lot more successful, um, and yep. it makes the game. It makes the, it makes the game slow down for them, makes it easier for them for sure. Uh, what are some some drills or things that you or ways that you reinforce eyes and, and, and just that skill in practice? Oh man. Uh pods, everybody's you know, pods and inside, like you you can't get away from it because at the end of the day, pods and inside takes you to job one uh and job two. That's those are drills that I, I love to do. I think those have a lot of merit. Um I love how we the coach ball at tech. Um, I, I thought that uh, something we would do, uh, we would put the ball down, right? And, and put the ball down is where we would go play live football, whether it was tag off, whether it was thud up, whether it was tackle, whatever it may be. Uh, and that got guys say, okay, immediately, like, let me check myself. Okay, my eye, when you play football, you're like, that is eye discipline. A specific drill, if you, if you, when you are needing to drill it, the best time to do it is when you are non contact, no pads get three kids, get five kids, get your position group, get how whatever you need to simulate. Really, all you need is three, four. You need four scouts because you need center guard, uh, guard, and you need a back, in my opinion. And then from there, if you really – it's even easier to do uh, uh, near back, you know, spotlight where you're looking at the tight end because you just need two kids, really. Um, if you want to fit it perfectly and okay, well, we're going to do this exactly how it needs to be done. Cause we're walking through in the gym and it's raining or whatever the case may be. And again, that's where that year at high school ball is, was, it, it helped me a ton, man. I saw a lot of how, you know, go get it done. However you need to get it done. Um, I freaking, I love, I love the game at the high school level. You're talking about putting together the basketball goal for your son. Everybody says it, but at the end of the day, if all of us are doing this right, you help some some guys become men that understand a process and help some guys grow in their life to where things aren't as daunting, right? They've been there before. They've said, okay, well, I have to do this, this, and this to get where I want to go, right? How can I even more meticulously 
process and come up with a plan. Um, but with that being said, uh, I really think that there's no substitution for doing it, but to ha- like you have to see it. And that's where one of our pre-practice drills every single day with, uh, with Coach Thacker was an eyes drill. We get the hose out there so they could get the spacing, right, the, the straight up the snake, whatever you want to call it, where you've got your centers, your, your center, your guards, your tackles. Um, and we get on it every day and you'd say, all right, this is your um, – this is your, you know, your backfield spotlight. This is your offensive line spotlight, whatever it needed to be. And the kids would walk through just you know, 60%, maybe, right? It's slow. You haven't warmed up yet. You're just kind of rolling through it at a, at a, at a decent little clip. But the whole time you're just sitting there staring them in the face because I think that's the best time to really get the kids' eyes is when you're the guard, right? I am the key. I am the tight end on the rock. Like, I'm going to stare at you because then – Hey man, look me in the freaking face. When you're breathing heavy and it's the eighth play of the drive, you're not gonna remember much. But if you've been staring at your freaking key the whole time, all day, every day in practice, well, you're just gonna instinctively get in your stance and stare at them. They'll take you where you need to go. Trust your key. So I think that in terms of actually drilling it, you just have to have the bodies to do it. Um, and then from there, the pre-practice time of being the scout for the kid lets you really emphasize the eyes coaching. Um, I don't really know how to, how to describe it. I think we'd all agree, though. If you've coached linebackers before, you can tell when a kid is looking up in the backfield. It, they sit higher in their stance. His, his head's tilted back a little bit more. His, his numbers are a little bit more exposed. Whatever it may be, you can always kind of tell when a kid's peeking in the backfield. Or the inverse of that, right, when a kid needs to be reading the freaking tight end, you can tell if he's staring at the guard and, and misses the rock back and we don't fit it right and it's out the gate, you know, off the edge of the divide zone or the split zone, right? You can always kind of see that on tape. Um, but I think, you know, really good ball coaches have told their kids where they want their eyes uh, and in turn have um, hold themselves to that standard of coaching, right? Hey, man, you know, it's third and eight. I told you on third and eight as an outside backer that's rushing a tackle, stare at the freaking football. Don't key the man, if right? Like it, money down. However, you want to emphasize third down. I'm telling you to get off the rock and pass rush. The way you coach a outside linebacker, or a defensive end, or a defensive lineman, period, to pass rush is it should be a little bit different than how you coach him in his basic um, base defense run stuffing uh, steps and aiming points and stuff like that. And that's where the good ones, like the really good players, man, they can tell that, man, that tackle's light. This team throws it on first and 10 in a little bit. I'm, I'm going to take a gamble here, and they go get you a big play, right, because they, they know it's time to rush the passer on, on an off down. Every single D lineman should be clued in the, to go get after it on third and eight unless you're playing a triple option team and settle in. Convert, hey, convert, bro. <laughs> Shoot. Better convert. Better freaking lock him out and uh, run an escape. Yeah, we are, uh, we're wing T here, uh, our offense is, and, and, and it's really unique in the way that they run it. They like to pass a lot out of it, and it's never fun uh, in fall camp defending those guys. And um, Heck no. So, uh, well, Coach, we're going to close things out today with some rapid-fire questions. I'm going to work in some D-line questions for you, too, because I know you're a former D-lineman, and, and you're really a D-lineman at heart. And like we said, this is a D-line podcast. Hey, man, outside backers. Outside backers. And outside backers. Outside backers. Hey, yeah. There we go. Uh, well, so here's, the, here's the, uh, the first question I have for you. As an outside backer or an, an edge rusher in general, what's your favorite pass rush move, either to coach up or maybe one that you had when you were playing, but what's your favorite edge rush move? 
oh, man, it's got to be that speed dip. If you can get off the ball and you can really jump out of your stance and, and you know what you're running uh, anytime. And I was really, really lucky to work with some guys at Auburn and play with some guys at Auburn that are still having NFL success. Uh, Carl Lawson is, is a really good NFL pass rusher. And those mouths don't get fed, man. I, I went and talked to Carl. I was like, hey, man, I just – I'd love to learn because – uh, I was I did not weigh a whole lot when I was playing at Auburn. I didn't hit, you know, 235, 240 until later in my career. So I knew I had to uh, learn some different technique and be be sharp on that stuff. And I know that made me a better coach. I, I always joke and tell people I didn't out athlete many many of those guys at Auburn. There's some right, you know, the other guys that I knew were uh, were paying their own way. I I definitely go in there and try and hit them with some some different stuff, but. Uh, when you're playing guys that go play in the NFL for four and five years, it's not going to go good for you if you're not technically sound. But I think uh, any any pass rush starts that speed dip, man, being able to to run it and knowing what step to coach the kid off of and, and having kids that can bend and get that shoulder down, that's going to set everything up. Because once you make that tackle speed up his, his rhythm, uh, his progression, and, and I've told people this, I, I can't even remember where I heard it, but if you watch offensive linemen, it's probably one of those days watching tape with, with Carl in freaking 2015 before he goes and has a 10-sack season with the Bengals or whatever it was in the NFL. But um, if you watch offensive tackles, their pass rush is always going to be their pass rush technique, their rhythm, whatever you want to call it, they're going to be kick, kick, punch. They're going to take two kicks, they're going to try and punch. And high school is a little different. Guys aren't that good. They may backpedal, they may do – really, really poor, untechnically sound things. But college guys are going to try to kick, kick, punch. Good high school guys are probably going to try to kick, kick, punch. And if you get that timing, you can play with that outside hand so much because they're going to throw it at you. And that's where that speed dip came in is I knew all, for me, my fourth step, once I had my fourth, because I, you know, I wasn't super heavy, I was going to try to be long and bend. So I had, you know, decent mobility uh, and a decent get off. Off my fourth step, I'm just going to drop my inside shoulder beneath your punch and get my toes at his toes. Everybody coaches it. Hip flip, I've, you know, I, I get it. I know why you coach it. I've, I've, I think throw your hip is a little bit better. Because if I told an athlete to flip a baseball, he wouldn't know what to do. But you just toss a ba- baseball to a kid and say, hey, man, throw that. He's going to at least give you something that you can work off of. Uh, but I think the biggest coaching point once you get to that top of the rush is your toes. Get your toes around. Um, but yeah, so sorry, that's not really rapid fire for you, but, uh, started with a speed rush. And then once a kid can speed rush and a kid can count his pass rush steps, then you get into a stab trap and you get into a two and you get into a shimmy and you get into a Euro and you get into all the, all the funk, all the freaking Twitter pass rush guru specialists yeah. bring at you, oh, yeah. um, off that teach a kid how to speed dip, teach a kid how to freaking go with speed and then smack into a kid's outside shoulder. Everything else comes from there. Stage one. Stage yeah. two is the sauce. Stage three is like, that's, that's really good pass rushers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, uh, and, and by the way, the, the rapid fire is definitely not meant to be taken literally. So it's okay for you to spend some time on these answers here. Uh, we, we've talked a little bit about defensive fronts today. So when it comes to a defensive front, which do you prefer, a head-up nose or a shaded nose? Oh, man. Again, I'm lucky. I'm I'm so freaking lucky to get to work everywhere I've worked and learn defense from a lot of different coaches and learn techniques and all that stuff. And 
I, I should have plugged it up. Again, man, that, that hard drive has a whole lot of information in it, a lot of good stuff. I've seen really cool, really like, if you're talking base defense, what do you have? Like, if you have a guy that can hold an A gap, you have a guy that can hold a B gap, I understand why why that four-man front's appealing because um, you can play fast and you, and you can do a bunch of cool stuff with it. Uh, if you're thinking, I, I, I may not have guys that can hold up as well, that three-man front looks more appealing because you can – get off and you can play heavy through one guy's shoulders and kind of uh, make the ball go real lateral um, through, through, through playing different shades on, on your, uh, your four eyes and, and things like that. As far as what's best, I don't know. As far as what I like the most, I don't know. I want to do them both. I want to be able to ho- hopefully I have a guy who can say, Hey man, you know, coach Jenkins job one, see your key. You're lined up on the garden two eye. Okay, see so your key, job two, neutralize your key, blow that freak, you know, blow that shoulder up, knock him out, sit in the A-gap, job three, go destroy the ball. That's great, right? Uh, and then have the same kid that I can say, hey, man, back up off the ball, be a head up zero, and I want you to key the ball and blow off of it and smoke that A-gap and make the center and the guard chase you, right? However you want to coach it. Or you may be, hey, man, square it up some, really come heavy out of your hips and just let him pick. Depends on the kid. I think the blow-by, telling a kid to go, to jet off the ball, and he'll end up in, in the backside gap has some merit because uh, it does speed him up. I think if you have a kid that may not be quite as jetty but is a big, wide, firm kid, sure. You know, shorten a step up and tell him to really play out of those hips and do all that stuff. But uh, it's all like it's all job one, job two, job three. What concept are you running? That's where the best coaches can coach a third and long pass rusher to key the ball and get off, and I take my ball, like my eyes from the ball to the outside shoulder of the tackle, right? That's my, that's my, my, you're really going to break it down all the way. For an outside backer, your spotlight's the freaking football, and that's really all that matters. Pass rush is getting off the rock on time, and then your, uh, your flashlight is going to be the outside shoulder of, of the tackle. But if you, if you can coach up spotlight and flashlight and you coach up job one, job two, and job three, your production your eye violation should at least uh, go down. All right, so here's one that we're going we're gonna to take a little bit of a turn here for you. So you played in the SEC. You're coaching in the ACC. You've been in a lot of other places. What's the most impressive road atmosphere that you have experienced? I don't know how biased I can be, man. That's, that's, what, I'm, <laughs> that's what I'm debating. I never had to play a night game at LSU, but we went down there in 2015 when they had Leonard Fournette. And that was a pretty crazy atmosphere. Uh, Clemson this year at Clemson, it was like a it was a, it was a prime time. I mean, it was a, it was a 2:30 or 3:30 game, but that thing was packed. And I'd never been to AC. I mean, I'd never been to a Clemson game. I was like I said, you know, at the very beginning of this, I grew up an Auburn guy. You know, went there and got my degree from there, and. Uh, Everyone there jokes and says it's God's country, but it is. Um, I'm kidding, man. I put my fandom aside when it's time to talk about dollars and cents. But uh, Clemson was a, was a crazy atmosphere. We had a, a long lightning delay and ended up like two and a half hours waiting to play. And we go back out and the stadium's still full. It's like, all right, this is nuts. Um, I've, I've both played and coached in Sanford. Uh, I coached there when I was at Murray State. And it was a really, really competitive first quarter. Um, the old, the old racers didn't quite have us in, have it in us that day against the Bulldogs, but playing at Sanford was also uh, pretty crazy. If you're going to ask me what the most formidable, the most like just 
that's a that's a wild stadium. Uh, Jordan Hare gets rocking for a lot of games, man. I was in there for the for some big games. I saw some really cool moments in that stadium. Uh, Brian Denny's loud, and of course, people underest you know people don't if you've never been, you wouldn't know. It's just right in the middle of Atlanta. Bobby Dodd. Uh, we had a couple of night games there. It gets loud, man. When um, you know people kind of have the day around them, and, and Atlanta gets going and. Uh, you can kind of feel the energy from the city. That that stadium gets going too. Uh, Bobby Dodd is the oldest on-campus stadium uh, in college football. It was built in like 1908, and you can still go see the old West Side stands underneath uh, the press box and everything that's there now. So it's it's a cool, cool place to go uh, coach football. So awesome, yeah. And and I, f- I forgot to mention. I don't know if I mentioned, but we've had a uh, coach Bill Curry on before. He came on. Uh, I think it was incredible coach, incredible man. Yeah, yeah, about a year and a half ago, and really enjoyed talking with him. But uh, obviously, for Georgia Tech connection there. Okay, when it comes to game day, uh, are you superstitious, or are you, in the words of Michael Scott, a little stitious? Not at all. Where, where where do you rank on that on that spectrum? I I'm probably a little stitious. Uh, again, I, I've been fortunate to be. I, I tell people this. I'm like, wait, really? Like what? That's how it is. I've only ever been in the box I've, ne- I've never I've coached like a half from the sideline one game when our headsets weren't like didn't work in the first half like I've never been on the sideline I love the box it's it's nice and it's it's just freaking pure football and it's quiet and it's calm for the most part you know guys get juiced up but you're up there to work you know I can spread out on the desk I have my multicolored pen I'm sipping my coffee freaking peanut M&Ms and focused on what I need to do have my bottle of water up there and um and get ready to freaking go to work. So for me, I don't really really try to get like too juiced. Um, I try to try to really stay calm. I will drink a little caffeine depending on what it is. Uh, you know, I joke around with some of the strength and conditioning guys because meet you know meet a lot of different guys. And Georgia Tech has an incredible incredible S and C staff. All those guys are freaking top notch. They're all freakishly smart, man, and they all uh, they all get after it and love the crap out of those kids. And, and do things for those kids that I hadn't seen in other programs. I thought that was um, really, really cool with, with how they're there for them in the, in the ear that those guys are, man. It's, it's something special what Coach Lou Corrala and that staff does. But I always joke with them, like, how many milligrams are we going to run today, boys, you know? Um, so, you know, 150 milligrams of caffeine and listen to a couple songs on my AirPod and, you know, talk to the, the QC, say, hey, man, what'd you see? Anything funky I should be aware of? All right, no, we're good. That's it. Game day, it's all done. Hayes in the barn. Leave the kids alone. Dap them up. Tell them you love them. Can't wait to go watch them. You freaking ballers. Because uh, if I get to game day and I'm still, like, scrambling to watch something or I'm, um, you know, fishing through my notes or I'm doing something like that, I, I did not do the right thing in the week. Uh, Friday night, here you go. If Every single Friday night, knowing I'm, like, I'm going to be in the box, I need to see what they're doing. I need to be sharp on ball. Uh, I'll sit there in the hotel and watch whatever game's on. Uh, you know, eat dinner and have, you know, hot dog, ice cream sandwich or whatever it is. And, um, and then from there, I'll get on my laptop and I take the freaking, uh, whatever you want to call it, the, the headings group, right? The, the tags off the tape. And I only put the sideline shot. I, I take out the butt shot. Um, and then I just let it roll and the whole time. I'm not writing it down. I'm not, I don't want to, I'm not doing that much, but I am like saying, like muttering to myself, you know, you know, 11 P Trey gun minus, divide zone, whatever it may be, right? I'm going through the game like that in my head, play the game before you play the game. Um, you know, 
12 play sling gun plus they're going to run zone cutoff or whatever it is right uh so I'll, I'll do that and just run through it and, and i like watching whole games too because that lets me get a feel um by that point in the week i know what a guy does kind of when he's up and when he's down and then when i watch it with just the sideline i've watched the game before too but i'm like okay yeah he's definitely up here or like okay yes it's, it's a tight game he's still doing this he's still doing that type stuff and it helps you kind of know where you're at also know okay they're destroying this team i've seen enough of their base stuff let's go something else <laughs> but that's really my only real superstitious thing is i gotta watch tape on friday night and i gotta drink some caffeine on, on saturday morning <laughs> i need to get going yeah i uh i'm definitely with you on the caffeine part and, and i like watching full games also um uh, because you do kind of get a, it when you when you take things out of context you know, then then it's really hard to get a feel for what they're trying to do offensively. But when you, you just have to run the whole game so that you know, okay, well, they just got to, you know, the defense just got a big stop here. Or, you know, where are we as far as in the game? You know, are they are they pressing? Are they trying to, are, try, are they sitting on a lead? And so all those things yeah. are, are, are reasons why just watching a full game, once your game plan's in, I think is really good. Man, and again, I've been really fortunate. Um to, to have gotten to be in the box my whole career for different coordinators. Uh, because of that, like one, uh, you know, Coach Johnson loved to do what was called a big board, right? So I would, everywhere I've been, I write down, you know, the down and distance, the series, the personnel, uh, the formation, the backfield, the motion, and the play, right? Uh, and whether it's like, you know, I have different ways of how I tag RPO. So I'll tag the run and the route. I have it, you know, different how I know what they did. Um, and that's where – and the older ball coaches, those guys that have been coaching for 15, 20 years, got some tricks. That multicolor pen goes everywhere with me. I just color code everything so I can I can chart a game in words really quick um, with that pen. And, and again, just from freaking being fortunate to get to work for people that coached me up and told me what they wanted. So I would, I'll, I'll, I'll take a series, right? And I'll put it into the context of possession and 10. You know, first and ten, second long, medium short, third long, medium short. Then I'll have fourth down. Then I do do red zone and goal line too. So it's like, hey man, goal line—they've only been in thirteen this game. We haven't seen it. They're in wing tight. You know, I whatever it is, I can talk it to them. And if me and the coordinator are on the same page, um, you go pretty good. And that's that's uh, some places I've been. I've been really really vocal. Um, I, I was always really vocal, you know, with Coach Johnson and. Again, when you sit in a meeting room with a guy all day, every day, pretty much, it, it helps you build uh, a relationship like that. And then um, and Coach Thacker was a little different. He liked to get, you know, uh, he, he would like an eight box sometimes. Hey, man, uh, eight box this out for me by the personnel. Or, you know, we played a team this year that hadn't shown any 13P, and they came out in it, and we gave up kind of two touchdowns on some drives when we maybe shouldn't have and we weren't fitting things quite right. But then at halftime with the help, you know, with, with Coach Lynham down there on the field, me and Coach Lynham were able to um, uh, make sure we were on the same page with what we were seeing. And then we went into halftime. Uh, we were able to give the information to Coach Thacker and Coach Collins and, and those two guys. I mean, freaking Jeff Collins, is, is, he's a machine, man. He's making adjustments. He's seen the team. He's, he's really, really uh, a good ball coach. He's setting, setting the tone. But just off giving the guy an eight box with, hey, man, here's what I'm seeing. Uh, was able to let them go do the work that they needed to do, make the adjustments that needed to be made. Um, but with that, you know, we always grade the kids. I never, ever do a, an entire game and don't go back and grade it. 
Because one, as a GA, if anyone's ever been a GA, you know you already have to input the tape. So you already have to put in what's happening. So your self-scout's done in your language, on time, blah, blah, blah. Um, and if that's not something that your program's ever looked at, uh, you know, at a different level, uh, inputting that tape every after every game, doing it as, as it happens, it takes maybe 45 minutes to an hour, and it's worth it because you can go sort it and say, okay, when teams are in trite gun minus, they're doing this, this, and this. Why are they doing this, right? When we get, you know, trips with two on the ball, you know, we're getting a lot of this and that because they're manipulating however we're playing whatever coverage, right? It's, it's, it's how you really go look at it. So I say all that to say when I go back and input it, I grade myself like, nope, you saw that wrong. That was not this, it was that. That was not this, it was that. Um, and then from there, uh, you just kind of, again, don't grade the kids and not grade yourself. Like, don't, you better look at what you're doing too. Uh, and then from there, um, your grade kind of tells you what, what, what is what. And it's helped me sometimes where I've been like, no, I wasn't seeing that route combination correctly or uh, whatever it may have been. But um, when you're, when you're really coaching ball and, and you're getting to make adjustments and you're getting to do that stuff, that's also where it comes down to coach. Everything's going right. We're just not fitting this one gap correctly. His eyes are too high. I stay out of the back end. Not really. I do a little bit of back end stuff. I've never once tried to tell anybody that, his safety's eyes weren't right. I'm not looking at that right now, Coach. If you want me to, I can start, but I'm cool. <laughs> well, Coach, I really appreciate you taking some time out of your holiday break to uh, to talk some football with us. And Absolutely, and, man. Uh, appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, I want to wish you guys the best of luck as we head in this offseason. Spring ball and everything that goes on, and we'll be in touch. Appreciate everything you do, Coach Taylor. Thanks again to Coach Brown for joining us today. You can follow Coach on Twitter, at Coach Alec Brown. And also, you can catch Coach Brown's virtual clinic that he's going to be putting on. Uh, he'll be talking about in-game communication and adjustments on, actually, uh, our coaching network, which we mentioned at the top of the show, and that's going to be on uh, February 21st. Remember, as I mentioned uh, at the beginning of the episode, go check out our sponsors at Our Coaching Network and Go Edit Graphics. And if you're liking what you're hearing from our show each week, shout it out from the mountaintops, baby. Give us a five-star rating. Leave us a review. I love getting feedback from you guys and, and, and hearing from you. So if you feel so inclined, leave us a rating and review, hopefully a positive one, but Hey, you know, we'll, we'll take whatever we can get. I guess our, our quote of the day is this too many people are scared to fully commit to fully enthrall themselves into their dreams. Don't fear the consequences of total commitment, fear the reward of lukewarm interest. And that will do it for this episode of KYPD. Subscribe now so you never miss an episode and join us right back here next week for episode number 119. Until then, dude, go make it happen this week. Go be the coach you needed when you were playing ball. Stay positive. And of course, always remember, keep the pads down. <laughs>